This is Energy Thinks, a podcast about how the oil and gas industry can future-proof against social risk and lead the world into the energy future. I'm Tisha Schuler, your host and the principal of Adamantine Energy. On today's show, I'm going to share with you this week's Both of These Things Are True edition. I originally wrote this, but I'm going to uh, talk it through with you for those of you who don't have time uh, to read your emails as they come through. So let me turn to that right away. In January, BlackRock's CEO, Larry Fink, wrote an annual letter to company investors. And this one took on an unambiguous climate twist. At that time, which seems like a million years ago now, doesn't it? That letter looked to us uh, like the global tipping point for investor prioritization of climate. And really, it still does. Since January, the world has been upended, but BlackRock has stayed the course, uh, the course that Fink set out in his letter. So in my series uh, lately, I've been looking into my crystal ball, and my crystal ball says that oil and gas companies need to know how BlackRock is thinking about climate to stay ahead of the returning ESG pressure. Now, in my last written installment of both of these things are true, I talked about racial equity and justice and also have had um, an interview with Paula Glover on this podcast to talk about that. And so it won't surprise you to know that my crystal ball also says that racial equity and justice are on the top of the mind of your investors. BlackRock has made significant commitments to change their internal and external accountability around this topic. And this really befits the largest asset asset manager in the world. Um, And their commitments on diversity, equity, and inclusion are going to set a new bar. Now, even if BlackRock doesn't invest in your company, this still matters because my crystal ball says that your investors, whether they're private equity or you're publicly traded or um, you're tied to institutional investors, all investors are going to follow suit. So both of these things are true. First, investors in both public and private companies are focused on values, on, I'm sorry, on value and returns. The second thing is that pressure from investors on climate and carbon is going to return soon and get real. And there will be no turning back. So here's what you need to know. So much has happened since January, 2020. Um, But it's still worth looking back at BlackRock's letter to assess the key pieces of information that you need to know. So first, let's talk about the letter and where it came from. What the letter said is that um, companies that BlackRock invests in have to do these things in 2020. Publish a disclosure in line with SASB guidelines by year end. Disclose climate-related risks in line with the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. And include a plan for operating under a Paris Agreement scenario. That means a policy that limits... Uh, the mean global warming to less than two degrees Celsius from pre-industrial times. Now, if you don't know what some of those things are, we do have links to them 
in the issue of this, uh, of this, uh, both of these things are true. And you can also find that in the show notes. So here's a quote that you need to know from Fink's letter. Quote, we will be increasingly disposed to vote against management and board directors when companies are not making sufficient progress on sustainability related disclosures and the business practices and plans underlying them. End quote. This letter did not come out of a black hole. BlackRock has been both signaling this move and falling under increasing external pressure. So what, what does that mean? First, you need to know that BlackRock was a founding member of the Task Force on Climate Related Financial Disclosures. They were also a signatory to the United Nations Principles for Responsible Investment. In 2019, they signed the Vatican's statement advocating carbon pricing regimes. And they have participated in the founding of the Climate Finance Partnership. Now, at the same time BlackRock made their announcement through Larry Fink's letter, they also joined Climate Action 100. If you aren't familiar with them, you can link to this group on our website, and I have written quite a bit about this group of companies that are committing to climate action. Now, really interestingly, there has also been an activist campaign that targets BlackRock. It, it targets their investments and their shareholder votes. It's called BlackRock's Big Problem. You can link to their website um, on, our, on this installment. And I also just wanna say, I've signed up for their email uh, list and it's quite an interesting way to get a perspective on this kind of activist pressure. So there's a long list of other pressures on BlackRock. They had protesters outside their London office. They had nuns filing a joint shareholder motion before their annual meeting. They've been targeted with a letter from the US Congress. The list goes on. Um, and, and really BlackRock isn't alone in coming under this kind of pressure. Uh, in February, Barclays faced their own investor results over climate. And you can read, connect to links about that and read more about that um, on our website. So how has BlackRock operated since they put out this letter in January? So in these recent months, which are the months of the pandemic, BlackRock began implementing their sustainability strategy. And this included increasing pressure on major US oil companies. So how has BlackRock operated since they put out this letter in January? So these months have been the months of the pandemic and they did uh, begin implementing their sustainability strategy, which has included increasing pressure on major US oil companies. Um, in May, Exxon, um, they said that Exxon had insufficient progress on climate risk reporting and related action. So BlackRock voted against the re-election of two Exxon board members and for the establishment of an independent chair. Now they cited Exxon's deficiency in climate risk management um, as a governance issue that undermined their long-term financial stability. So BlackRock said, and I quote, voting against the re-election of the responsible directors is often the most impactful action a shareholder can take. So I'll tell our listeners here something that's not written in this, which is I had written the first draft of this in January when BlackRock uh, put out their new expectations and we didn't know if they would actually deliver on them. So it's quite interesting to be sitting here in July 
um, reading that they did. And it wasn't just Exxon who was targeted. Um, they also uh, voted against the recommendations from Chevron's board to vote in favor of a successful re resolution that obligates Chevron to disclose their political and lobbying spending related to climate change. So according to BlackRock, Chevron must provide greater transparency. This is required to quote, help articulate consistency between public and private messaging for managing climate risk and transition to a lower carbon economy. And then the most recent vote, uh, BlackRock voted to remove the chief of AB Volvo for the company's failure to adequately disclose its climate risks. So this is no joke. Now, the most recent action we've seen are BlackRock's amplified expectations on racial equity. And this is something that I think every oil and gas leader needs to, to pay attention to because this is such a relatively new conversation to our boards of directors that it's going to be coming in really fast. And having a sustainable diversity and inclusivity strategy means having a pipeline and creating a culture. And so these are things that you really need to get started on immediately. So BlackRock has made announcements amplifying its expectations of its portfolio companies to foster racial equity, diversity, and inclusion. So the first thing you can look at, and we have a link uh, on our site, is that uh, CEO Fink reaffirmed their commitment to fostering a more inclusive environment. And it said that it's their responsibility to work together to build a more fair and just society. They joined other prominent investment firms and major oil companies such as Shell Canada and, and um, signed a letter from the Business Council of Canada. Then in late June, BlackRock released the firm's three area action plan. And I suggest you take a look at it. It, uh, it it's, will promote diversity and inclusion and cites research showing that companies with strong sustainability ratings deliver better returns. But that's not all, because this fall, BlackRock will assess how their portfolio companies have responded to the pandemic, as well as issues of racial equality. So they're coming in to assess your performance this fall, and they have foreshadowed that they will refresh their expectations for, quote, human capital management and how companies pursue sustainable social practices. So these two documents are talking about numerous areas relevant for your leadership, including linking performance to executive compensation, including board compensation, looking at voluntary and involuntary turnover, looking at the factors that could drive turnover in the context of diversity and inclusivity looking at the efforts to recruit diverse talents and create an inclusive workplace. And they are gonna be looking at statistics on gender and other diversity characteristics, as well as promotion rates and compensation gaps. So in my experience, we have a long way to go to be ready to meet those kind of expectations within our companies. Now this matters because investment in your company is happening amid this increasingly ESG driven environment. 
and whether it's climate or racial equity and justice, these are being tied to both bottom line and to compensation. So the investors are still focused on returns, but they're thinking of these things as inherent to and relevant to your, how they affect your bottom line and how they affect your ability to protect their own interests as investors. So this is the front line, it's moving front and center. The critical mistakes not to make, moving too slowly and making too many excuses. It's easy to do, there's a lot going on right now. You're juggling pandemic logist, logistics, cash flow, and these new racial equity and justice priorities within companies are testing leadership. Here's the thing my crystal ball says, the leaders of the energy future are rising to meet this moment now, not when the price of oil recovers. Here's how you seize the day. Successful companies will lead from the C-suite. So BlackRock has aggressively followed up on their January ESG announcements, even in the middle of a pandemic. We expect that they will do the same on racial justice and equity. So that means that you your leadership team urgently need to get one step ahead of your investors' demands. I would not leave this to a department, to investor relations or EHS. This work needs to be executive-driven with full board support. Second, you need to accelerate your ESG strategy. So at Adam and Teen, we've been advising ESG baby steps for companies that haven't been quite ready to take the leap. In particular, we've been recommending a three-year strategy to get from wherever a company is to full ESG analysis and sustainability commitments. The BlackRock announcement in January really changed everything, and we're talking to our clients um, about accelerating into a two-year strategy, spending 2020 preparing for a full report and 2021 moving into a leadership posture. So these are things we can help you with. So you're welcome to, to reach out to me to find out more. Third, your company needs to get serious about racial equity, justice, and inclusion. And we heard back after my last installment focused on this issue. And so we know companies are working on this uh, as challenging as it is. And if you're a leader of an oil and gas company, it's time for your team to get serious about this as well. And then finally, I do recommend that you talk to your institutional investors. So they are working, whether if it's a private equity firm being influenced by institutional investors or institutional investors being influenced by their clients, everyone is working through this now in real time. So as they're sorting out the pressures and what an appropriate proactive response looks like, you can be collaborating with them so that you're actually positioning uh, alongside them as part of their solution. So these investor pressures are coming in hot and uh, I would be happy to work with your team to think about how to respond. That's our show for today. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to both of these things are true. You can check out the written version and all the links on our website. Much ado about BlackRock. I would like to know what you think about what you've heard here. So please visit our podcast website at energythinks.com podcast and let us know. You can subscribe to Energy Thinks on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, please help us out 
by rating the podcast. Thanks for listening to Energy Thinks. Until next time, I'm Tisha Schuler, wishing you and yours happiness, prosperity, and good health.